and welcome to episode number 93 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. On today's show, we're going to be talking about uh, crime, Kanye, COVID, and Burger King. But before we get into that, I do want to send out a very special happy anniversary to my parents today, July 15th on 59 years of marriage, which is a pretty big number. When I went to look up, because I was just curious, they have these lists, as you know, if you're married, if you're recently married, there's a list some people somewhere came up with, which is, oh, what do you get everybody for the first year, second year, fifth year, 10th year? Well, the list only goes up to 60. So, I mean, I guess being at 59 is a pretty good thing. Next year is the diamond anniversary. A lot of lists didn't even have number 59 listed. And uh, one had charity, which I'll make a donation in their name. No, that's not as much fun. I sent them a nice big package, which arrived early this morning, which my mom was really happy about because when the door starts ringing early in the morning before you're even dressed and ready to get the day going, you know, that makes it a little bit more fun. But a nice big package filled with uh, some shrimp fillets all that kind of stuff for a nice stay at home dinner because i mean still covid they're at that age don't want to go out and have to deal with restaurants and you can do takeout and all that but you know i figured my mom should cook a little bit too on their 59th anniversary but happy anniversary that was a year ago today that my dad got out of the hospital after having his second hip done the first hip was done, oh, what, a year and a half, two years prior to that. And then he ended up with an infection and spending most of the year prior to last year in the hospital. I, my mom did these stats, and I think it was almost seven months out of the 12 months he spent in the hospital or in rehab. So he's doing much better. Things are good. And hopefully it'll be a nice, easy year and they'll get to that diamond anniversary next year. So that's good news. That's happy news. The rest of the news in the world, well, not so much. Let's start with the crime in New York City. It's not like we didn't see this coming. I mean, I was very happy that I made the point on Grumpy Old Ben's last Friday that the crime going on in New York City was violent crime. It was gang shootings, much like we have here in Chicago. But I knew how the lunatic leftists were going to try and frame this. And I made the exact point on the grumpy old Benz with Ryan Bemrose that this wasn't a Jean Valjean thing. And I then quantified or qualified for those who maybe aren't familiar with the novel by Victor Hugo, Les Miserables, or maybe didn't see Les Miserables, which it was a pretty good musical. I'm not a big musical fan, but hey, back in the day, Les Miserables was pretty damn good. But Jean Valjean steals a loaf of bread, and that is his crime. And I said, this wasn't a Jean Valjean thing. This isn't people stealing bread to feed their family. That's not what this crime is all about. But as if on cue, AOC. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez literally came out just hours later saying, 
Well, you know, with this COVID and so much unemployment that sometimes people just have to shoplift a loaf of bread to to feed their family and they're under so much pressure. That's where the crime comes from. So, hey, don't say I didn't tell you so. Don't say I didn't call this. Don't tell me that the left isn't absolutely insane when they're going to equate stealing a loaf of bread to feed your family with violent crime. And violent crime is running rampant in New York. And there are a bunch of different factors to it. If you want to get boots on the ground, the opinion of New York Police Department Chief of Department Terrence Monahan, he says, quote, there are a lot of different factors into it. We've mentioned bail reform and COVID releases, which we've talked a little bit about that as well. The bail reform in New York, as signed by Governor Cuomo, basically means if you commit a crime in New York, they're not going to hold you. There's no bail. You're just released. So you're booked and you're released. So you go out on the street, you punch a cop in the face or you punch an old lady in the face and you actually are caught and arrested for that, which is getting uh, rarer and rarer in the city of New York. But let's just assume you are caught and arrested. They bring you in, they book you, and then they release you. No bail necessary. Go right back out, punch another cop, punch another old lady. It doesn't matter. The department chief, Terrence Monaghan, continues just as importantly, if not more importantly, is the animosity towards the police that was generated after the George Floyd protests. There's a feeling on the street that the police are handcuffed, that they are not out there as aggressively as they were in the past. The new law that was passed by the city council has cops hesitant. They're fearful that they may be arrested if they take some proactive type enforcement. The disbanding of the anti-crime, obviously, has a huge effect. Those are our best cops out on the street grabbing guns. So there's a feeling that it's now safe to carry a gun on the street. Now, this is the point that I kept trying to make to Ryan Bemrose on Grumpy Old Ben's the other day when the police are handcuffed, when the police don't feel like they can do their job. Crime will then run rampant. It's a very clear cause and effect. If the cops don't feel that they can do their job, or if the cops feel like if they show any kind of force whatsoever, they're going to get into trouble. They're not going to use the force. And you may be like, well, that's great. We don't want them to use the force. Well, that's bullcrap because that's how they have to do their jobs to catch the criminals, to get them off the streets. There's a big difference in a lot of different cases between, you know, kneeling on a guy's neck who's already down. And that I think everybody can agree was totally wrong. And those officers involved have been arrested and will pay for that, or at least they'll be tried for it. I mean, I can't guarantee what the judicial system is going to do. But this is what happens the minute the cops feel like they can't do their job, then you may as well have no police whatsoever, which is what AOC wants. Yet again, let's remember, we want to defund the police. 
the teachers union, what was it, in Los Angeles County now saying they're not going to go back to work until the police are defunded. I mean, how nuts is that? Not go back to work. Don't want to teach your kids until the police are defunded. I mean, this is really going to open up the uh, gates for school shootings again, because I don't know who's coming in to stop somebody that wants to shoot up a school once you get rid of the cops. I don't get it. These people live in a pie in the sky utopia that just doesn't exist and will never exist. AOC thinks that stealing a loaf of bread and violent crime are somehow the same thing. But this is what happens when you start handcuffing the police, when you start defunding the police, when you start letting the criminals know that the streets are there for them to rule. I mean, there are some areas, some rural areas that don't have a very large population who have much smaller police forces, by the way. There's a lot of smaller towns out where we are here outside of Chicago. And the police forces don't have to be as big as Chicago because, well, the crime rate is different. In the city of New York, when you take the top cops off the street, the gangs return. Rudy Giuliani, I mean, his methods can be questioned and debated on if they went too far. But the one thing you cannot debate when it comes to what Rudy Giuliani did as mayor of New York City, you cannot deny that the crime rate went down dramatically. And it's now going back up. And the problem is a lot of innocent people get caught in the crossfire. And a problem is a lot of those are children. We talked about that here in Chirac, in Brooklyn now, this past week, a one-year-old named Davel Davel Gardner Jr. was at an outdoor cookout with his family. Two guys get out of an SUV, started shooting, and now Davel is dead. No rhyme, no reason. This is what AOC wants. This was stealing a loaf of bread, right, AOC? A one-year-old dead. That's the equivalent of stealing a loaf of bread to these leftist lunatics. Devell Jr.'s grandmother shared words about the cowards that murdered her grandson. For the cowards that did this, you should be ashamed of yourself because everybody talks about Black Lives Matter. What about baby lives? What about teenager lives? You look at an innocent child. You took him from his mother and father as well as his grandparents, and I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair either. But this is what happens when you live in the liberal utopia of get rid of the cops, and crime's going to somehow go down. They believe that. There was an article on CNN that actually pushed the opinion, you know, removing the cops could actually lower crime. <laughs> you nut. I mean, this is the equivalent of going and they and they go after Trump for this because they're like, well, you said we should uh, bring testing down and then we'd have less positives. That's the same thing they're doing here saying, you know, if we get rid of the police, there would be less crime. <laughs> I mean, there'd be less criminals caught. There would be less criminals prosecuted. But crime will run rampant. I hate to tell you, lefties, the cops are the masks in this situation of COVID. You know, the masks are there to protect you. 
That's what the cops are there for. You really want the masks, but now you don't want the cops. So do you want protection or don't you want protection? You morons. The ultimate moron, though, may be New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, who commented on the shooting of this one-year-old on Monday night, calling for a moment of silence during a press briefing. The quote from Bill de Blasio, this is so painful. It's not something we can ever look away from. Your policies caused this, you dick. The kid is dead because of you. What do you mean you can't look away from it? It should be painful because it's your damn fault. You and the governor of New York have let crime run rampant and then kids die. It is insane and it has to be stopped. If you live in New York, I don't understand how you're not out there protesting and how you're not trying to get these idiots out of office. It doesn't make any sense. If Black Lives Matter, you don't want those guys in office because they don't care about your lives, people. They don't. It is very clear they're more concerned about policy. They're more concerned about getting Donald Trump out of office than they are about any black lives, even if that means the one-year-old children and the other kids that got shot here in Chicago. Nobody cares. Black Lives Matter is not protesting. De Blasio don't care. Cuomo don't care. Lori Lightfoot here in Chicago don't care. And Pritzker don't care. You should care. And you should be doing something about it if you live in these neighborhoods to stop it. Because this concept of defunding the police means that it is now going to be you in these communities that's going to be more responsible for what's going on. And if you want the drug dealers and the people that are out there killing kids to keep doing it, then stay quiet, hide under the bed, and do nothing. If you want it to stop, you have to do something about it. You have to start taking some more personal responsibilities and standing up and saying enough is enough. There are power in numbers. Stand up. Community organizing, not a bad thing. Get together and let the people in your neighborhood know you're not going to stand for this kind of stuff going on any longer. How can people sit idly by as children are shot on a daily basis? I don't understand it. And if you want a little bit of context, in New York City this past weekend, shooting deaths far outnumbered deaths from coronavirus. So let that sink in and figure out what the real problem going on in New York City is. And people, you got to do something about it. If you're in New York, it's time to do something. If you're in Chirac, it's time to do something about it. It has to be stopped. It's a bigger problem than the coronavirus because the coronavirus will go away at some point or there'll be a vaccine or you'll have herd immunity. But the violence on the streets of Chicago has been going on for decades. The violence in New York was pretty damn good for a long, long time. 
It's now running out of control, going in the wrong direction. And according to Bill O'Reilly, who lives just outside of New York, it's impossible right now to even book a moving van to get out of New York City. That is the kind of exodus that's going on in New York, which means taxes are about to go up and crime's about to get a whole lot worse. So congratulations. If you live in New York, you made a really bad choice. But speaking of COVID, the way COVID spreads, it's interesting because we did an episode here on Random Thoughts about Maurice Dehunt. I believe I'm saying that wrong or butchering that a little bit. But he is the Dutch guy that looks at data and then tries to make sense of it. And his concept was this was definitely something that was spread via aerosol way more than it was touching things and then touching your face, that it was in the air. And then this, of course, would set off a whole bunch of other questions when it comes to masks. And if they really make things a whole lot safer, you know, and if we should be opening up bars and restaurants and all that and other things that can be taken as far as precautions to make people safer if they're going out into the wild, into public where they're coming across people that they don't know. And I thought it was interesting when you talk about the face coverings and we have to, you know, again, you have to start visualizing how big these molecules are that you're breathing out and how they exist in the air and what a mask really does or a face covering really does to inhibit anything. And I mean, I always knew that the face coverings didn't do a whole lot, but it was visualized quite eloquently in a short little video that the podfather Adam Curry posted on to social media where he had his face covering totally over his face and then breathed out after taking a hit on what I'm assuming was a jewel on a well probably not a jewel brand I think he rolls his own but breathing out you could see the smoke just clearly go easily through the fabric and into the room. And that started again getting me kind of thinking about the fact that even though people are wearing masks, they're like, well, you're wearing masks because you're protecting other people. And it's like, well, you're keeping some things in, but a vast majority of what you're exhaling is going easily through your face coverings. And the concept that this is spread via aerosol seems to make sense because there's very little of the virus cases that are tracked back to open air settings, meaning, you know, even if somebody's infected and you're near them outside, you're probably not going to get it because they breathe out. And when you're outside, there's a lot of ventilation and that air, those molecules that are coming out of their mouth dissipate very quickly. And we recently got a new air purifier because it was on sale on Woot. And I know I feel bad because that's Amazon and Amazon's really going down the wrong path with all this crap that they're backing. But with that said, we got a new air purifier and I've had a few of them because my wife has allergies 
And I've had a few of them that, you know, sense the air. And if they feel that there's something in the air, it'll jack the fans up and put it into high gear. This was the first one. It was made by Bissell. And it was the first one that actually has a LED display with three numbers, which tell you, you know, how much bad stuff, how much impurities are allegedly in the air. So I took this thing out of the box, unwrapped it, turned it on, you know, let it run for a few seconds, and then saw that the number was at like between 002 and 005. So not a whole lot going on, which makes sense. I mean, we don't live in an area where air pollution is horrible. Keep the windows closed all the time, pretty much. And when it's 95 degrees outside, the air conditioning is running and there's a little bit of filtering that goes on with your furnace. But overall, I wasn't expecting a whole lot of of an issue when it comes to seeing that number spiking. Well. When I made dinner the other day, I noticed that just after making dinner, not anything that I would have thought would be excessive, but the area where this air purifier is, is connected. There's a pass through between the kitchen and the family room. And this is sitting down in the family room, probably, you know, 30 feet, 40 feet away from the oven and stuff. Well, after making dinner, and then having dinner came down, it was a little over a hundred. And I'm like, oh, okay, so, well, this is picking up whatever it's being put into the air. Why do you got stuff frying in a pan? You know, you got eggs frying in a pan, making bacon, whatever. It's sending impurities into the air. Stuff that you can't see, and it just wafts its way that far away, like 40, 50 feet, whatever it is, down a level. And this morning, I was making some bacon. And obviously in the air fryer, which making bacon in an air fryer, if you've never done it, it's awesome. It's the easiest way to make bacon. It gets it nice and crispy and you just put it in, you set it, you forget it. You don't have to flip the bacon or anything like that. So it's nice and easy. Well, there was a little bit of bacon grease left from the other day. I wiped it out, but I didn't go through and fully clean everything. And about eight minutes into making the bacon, the thing started to smoke. And immediately I just put on the exhaust fan in the kitchen and figured no big deal. But the thing was smoking. It didn't fill up the room with smoke or anything like that. And I went downstairs and saw the device was in the high 900s. So it's like, okay, that smoke put a lot of stuff into the air. And I've read things about the virus carrying on the air where air pollution is worse, that it was easier for the virus to kind of leach on to those particles in the air and waft and float much further away than, you know, the six feet or whatever, how many they're telling you you're safe. Some areas are less than six feet in Europe, I guess. That's like three feet. And that all seems like a really load of crap as it's an arbitrary number and doesn't really mean a whole lot. So it was interesting to me to see again, just how much of a pollutant can be in the air, even though you can't see it. I mean, in this case, you could smell it and it smelled like yummy, yummy bacon. I mean, unfortunately, I don't think COVID smells like yummy, yummy bacon. But with the air purifier concept, it's another easy way for me to kind of visualize what's going on. And I'm surprised that places like restaurants aren't being forced to install new air purifiers 
with UV lights because those are really easy to use as well. And the UV light allegedly kills the coronavirus, kills COVID-19. And if I don't know, if I ran a restaurant, I'd be having these things in every corner, especially if I had to spend time in the restaurant. But this aerosol spread. Now, even the CDC and the WHO are admitting it happens. They're downplaying it, but they're admitting that it is one of the ways the COVID is transmitted from person to person. And it's something that everybody should understand. Again, I don't think everybody should be hiding in their homes, under the beds, and not going out. But understand that this is a real virus. It is out there and it is spreading. And there are some areas where it seems to be spreading a little bit more than others. And those seem to be, again, cases where people are clustering, getting together. And uh, this is what happens, especially if you're indoors, because no or very low ventilation will cause problems. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. Now seeing especially that the WHO is going, well, okay, uh, aerosol spread is a thing. The Podfather showed us by just putting his mask over his face and breathing out. Well, look, all that smoke goes right through that mask. So what do you think the virus, if it's in the air, is doing? I don't think the masks are stopping them. So why are we wearing masks? I don't know. I guess it could just be to get you to comply. Well, speaking of complying, we have Kanye, who this is a really, really interesting case to me. I mean, Kanye's a Chicago guy. My wife even sold his mom some tile back in the day. And Kanye was floating the concept of running for president this year. I mean, nothing like jumping in late. We've been waiting for the Hillary swoop in. I don't think we saw the Kanye swoop coming in, but this is an interesting thing because there's a lot of questions about this right now. One is there's some big news going around that, well, Kanye said he's not running now, even though there's really no proof of that. But no matter what, Kanye running for president, he's got the ego. There's no question about it. Once he announced this, Somebody came out immediately and made the point that, well, it wouldn't be long before he pulled out because he's going to realize that as somebody in the entertainment business, all of his financial records would become public record. I mean, we all know what they're trying to do to get Trump's tax returns. But Kanye, especially if you're trying to raise money for a run, there's a lot of paperwork that has to be done. And it's probably something if you're not really, really serious about this, that you would want to put yourself out there for. But the first poll that came out after Kanye said this asked about what would happen if Kanye was on the ballot with Trump and Biden. So this is just strictly on Kanye saying, yeah, he's going to run, maybe. So they went out and asked voters, you know, okay, Kanye, Trump, Biden, and Kanye came in at 2% immediately. And while that 2% may not seem like a lot, it could be more than enough to swing an election. And let's also remember something, which is all of the leftists, all of these blue states 
are really, really, really pushing hard for mail-in voting. And with mail-in voting, I mean, one, there could be a lot more when it comes to the corruption. But with the mail-in voting, it's really easy just to go, hey, you know what? Write in candidate, write in Yeezy, write in Kanye, write him in. And that may happen whether Kanye is wants to be officially on the ballot now or not. Kanye may get a hell of a lot of write-in votes from people because of the mail-in voting. And this could make Kanye the ultimate spoiler. I mean, he's coming out publicly and saying that he's no longer a fan of Trump. And that was why he wants to run. But is that a legitimate answer? Is that the truth? Or is Kanye playing this so perfectly in order to help his buddy, Donald Trump? And he's been pretty friendly with Trump over the years. So the question now becomes, is Kanye mad at Trump and wants to hurt him? I mean, and really, is Kanye taking votes away from Trump? I don't think so overall. Or would Kanye be taking votes away from Joe Biden? So even though Kanye comes out and would say, I'm against Donald Trump, that's why I'm running. Is he really taking votes away from Trump or is this the ultimate mind screw? And he's really trying to take the vote away from Biden. And I don't want to generalize it all, but I do think Kanye could get a decent amount of the black vote. And the concept that the reason for him doing it is really kind of irrelevant, I would suppose, to most voters. They're just knowing they're going to vote for Kanye. When in reality, he's just trying to help Donald Trump. I don't think Kanye coming into the race in any way, shape or form hurts Donald Trump. It only hurts Biden. Because I don't think there's any way that Kanye can win. And that just means you're just playing spoiler. You're taking votes away from somebody else. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Kanye could win in some weird world, but not in this one. Not for 2020. Maybe four years down the road, if he really was going to put together a platform. And I know what you're thinking. Kanye's totally nuts. There's no way he could ever be president. Well, that's what they said about Trump. So I don't guarantee that anymore. Weird things happen in America, and I wouldn't count Kanye 100% out. I mean, I will for 2020. This year, he can be the ultimate spoiler. I wouldn't count him out moving down the road because while people think he's nuts, I think he's a lot like Donald Trump in the sense that he is a flamboyant personality who likes to say crazy stuff but I do believe can be reined in if needed in order to achieve a goal. And I think Kanye, like Trump, has achieved a whole lot of goals in his life that nobody ever thought he would. So don't count Kanye out moving forward and don't count him out for this year from already what he has dipped his toe into the water with. That little thing already, I believe, could cause enough ripples, enough of the write-in votes to go to him that would be coming right out of the Biden camp that it's going to make this year's election that much more interesting. 
So we'll see how that goes. Now, in the craziest story of the week, and it's been a pretty crazy week, Burger King is changing the diet uh, that it feeds its cows because of climate change. Yeah, Burger King changing the cow's diet for climate change. Now, this comes from a Breitbart article. The chain has rebalanced the diet of some of the cows by adding lemongrass in a bid to limit bovine contributions to climate change. Now, if I could be so bold as to put that into layman's terms, they want the cows to fart less. So I guess lemongrass does this. I don't know. I've never eaten lemongrass and decided if that was going to cause more gastrual problems or not. But according to Burger King, giving the cows some lemongrass will limit the cows farting and then will lower their climate change impact. By tweaking their diet, the article says, Burger King believes it can reduce a cow's daily methane emissions by about. Now, if you're a No Agenda fan, I want you to guess along with me. What percent do you think feeding lemongrass to the cows could possibly reduce the methane emissions by? And oh, yeah, the magic number. 33%. When that number appears in an article, you got to question everything about the article. And in this case, I think that goes doubly so. Can feeding a cow lemongrass actually reduce its methane emissions by 33%? I guess we'll just have to find out. I mean, here's a better idea, Burger King. Close. Close every restaurant you have and stop the scourge of bad burgers and those meatless things you sell just just leave just go away nobody wants to be king anymore i'm more of a white castle guy they also made the news in testing a robot that can do everything in the kitchen but they were very clear that that wasn't going to be removing jobs it was going to be helping the people that work for them sure yeah i believe that once we have a robot that can do all the cooking at a fast food place, and we have machines that can already take your order. Yeah, why are people even needed? They're not. But don't worry, the mechanical overlords, I'm sure, will be benevolent, <laughs> benevolent, and you'll be able to get your burger without actually seeing or talking to another human being. Hey, that may just be utopia. I do have some people to thank for this week's edition of the Random Thoughts podcast. First and foremost is our buddy Jay Finley slash Earl Walkman slash a bunch of other names that he used back in the day when he was an infamous phone freaker. Those were the days. Really, we need to get the guy on to hear some of those stories. And he sent in a hundred dollars with a little note, very little, just said great show on Tox, which was our last episode talking about messengers and exactly where your data goes, who can see your messages, who saves those messages, and how you could protect yourself by using something like Tox, which is a system that is totally peer-to-peer, -to -peer, so your privacy is guaranteed, and only you and the person that you're talking to get to see what's going on, get to hear what's going on, get to read what's going on. And I did have a couple of people add me over on Tox. You can go look at the show notes from episode 92 for 
the link and the way to do that. Check it out. If you do a lot of messaging with people, this is something you might want to try just again to make sure that only you have access to your messages. Also coming in this week, our buddy Keith Von Dyke with another $10, which is a monthly subscription, and we really, really appreciate that. And a new $5 monthly subscription, it looks like, from Michael Wingett, and we really, really appreciate that. We appreciate everybody that comes in monetarily to help the show, everybody that sends in comments, suggestions, everybody that has subscribed to the show or turned a friend onto the show. We're like the little engine that could. If you want to subscribe or donate, go to randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. It's easy to do and it's much appreciated. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so via email, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com or on Twitter, Darren O'Neill, D-A-R-R-E-N-O-N-E-I-L-L. You can follow the show on Twitter at Random Podcast. And of course, you can install talks and get me by going to the episode 92 notes and getting all of the information there. So have a great week. We will be back next week on Wednesday. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.